Hey guys, my name is Brad. I'm the lead pastor here at New Life Church, and I want to welcome you to our online teachings. One of our core convictions as a church is that everyone is welcome, no one is perfect, and anything is possible. Now, I know that for some of us, coming into a church building might be intimidating, it might be scary, and I get that. But I want you to know that there is always a place for you here at New Life and that you were made for real in-person community. We meet on Sundays in downtown Wayland. You can check out our website for more information on service times. But for now, I hope God speaks powerfully to you through his word. Love you guys. Well, good morning. How is everyone doing this morning? It is a beautiful day in the shade where you're sitting. I'll take one for the team this morning. It's okay. Uh, how you doing? Having a good summer so far? It's like unofficially here, which is super, super exciting. Uh, if we have not met yet, my name is Brad, and uh, I get to serve as the lead pastor here. And I just, man, I love this community. I love what God is doing, not just in New Life Church, but in our communities down in Wayland and the surrounding areas as well. It's really, really cool to be a part of. And today we're actually starting a new series where over the next several weeks, we're going to start walking through some of the Psalms. We're obviously not going to hit all of them because there's 150 and we'd be in the series for three years, but we're going to hit a few different ones over the course of this summer. And I'm really excited for what God is going to do in our community as a result of just journeying through some of these Psalms together. And so I want to begin by just talking about what I believe is one of the biggest misconceptions about Christianity. I believe this is a misconception that has crept its way into the church, but I also believe that people who maybe distance themselves from the church or from Jesus believe this a lot about Christianity. The misconception that I believe a lot of people have either adopted or believe is that Christianity, the end goal is behavior modification. The end goal is just to be a better person, to behave better, which leads us to all kinds of different statements that I hear as a pastor a lot. Things like, well, I could never walk into a church because I would get struck by lightning. Anybody ever heard that before? A couple of us, anybody ever said that before? No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to raise your hand to that. But it also leads us to things like, man, if, if you only knew what I had done, I would never be accepted in your community. I've heard that many, many times as well. And I actually believe that's a pretty big misconception about what it means to be a Christian to follow Jesus. And it leads us to all kinds of what questions. Questions like, well, what am I supposed to do? What am I not supposed to do? What if I'm not even a Christian to begin with? It can lead us to what questions like, what if I'm not doing enough or what if I'm doing too much? Or what if people find me out? You see, there's all kinds of what questions that can come from misconceptions about the Christian faith. And Christianity becomes a behavior modification program or tool when we simply just focus on these what questions. But there is a far more important question that the scriptures ask. And I believe if we can wrestle with this question over this summer that God will actually stir some things and change some things in our lives, in our community, in our families, in our workplaces, if we're willing to wrestle over what I believe is a more important question than just what. And I believe the more important question is the question where, as in W-H-E-R-E, -E, where. 
And I love that we're in the park today because today we're in a different where, aren't we? We're not meeting in the church building. We're meeting out in this amazingly beautiful park that all of us love and adore. And if you think about your last year, your where has changed so many different times, right? Maybe your, your workplace has just changed completely and you used to work in an office building, but now you're working from home. Your where has changed. Maybe you're a parent or a student here and uh, you've gone from in-person school to virtual school to some kind of weird hybrid mix that nobody really likes that much. Your wear has changed so many different times. I've heard many, many people say, I'm just so comfortable staying home. I'm just so comfortable in my pajamas. Full confession here, who has gotten really comfortable in their pajamas over this last year? A lot of us. I bought more sweatpants than I've ever owned in my life because they're amazing. The, <laughs> the reality is, is that where is a really important question. And where is a question that the scriptures wrestle with all the time. In fact, in the scriptures, where often comes before questions about what, about behavior, about how we act, how we live, where matters first. And that's what I love about the Psalms here, is the Psalms are this honest, honest outpouring of everything that is in us to God. You see, there's Psalms of lament, of deep, deep grief and pain and hardship, a lament, a grieving from the valley. And then there's also psalms of extreme celebration, shouting from the mountaintops the glories of God, and there is everything in between. There's psalms where anger is being expressed and grief and joy and every possible human emotion that you can imagine. But one of the most important questions that the psalm asks and sometimes doesn't even answer is the question, where? Like, where do I go when my life falls apart? Where is my life rooted and planted? Where, where can I find God? Where does God find me? These are the questions that the Psalms forces us to reckon with and wrestle with. And so we're going to start in the beginning this morning of the Psalms, Psalm chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, uh, go ahead and open that. It's pretty much right in the middle of your Bible, if you're not sure where that is. Psalm chapter 1. I'm going to attempt to navigate the wind here with this. So those of you with phone Bibles are, there we go. All right, so let's read this together. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. So if you read this psalm, if you look at it, at the very beginning, the psalmist starts with kind of these what statements, doesn't he? He starts with, blessed is the person who does not do these things who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinner, or sit in the seat of mockers. It starts with what statements? But notice the shift in verse 2. See, the, the shift, the psalmist doesn't just say, don't do these things, but then do these things instead. No, the psalmist switches from what to where. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. 
nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is where? It's in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night, night and day. The question the psalm is asking is, where are you growing roots? Where are you planting yourself? Where are you building your life? That's the question the psalmist forces us to wrestle with and reckon with in this first psalm. I have a five-year-old daughter named Emery, who's right there. Hey, Emery. She, uh, <laughs> she's way too cool for me. And uh, Emery is, uh, is awesome. And she uh, one day started just um, not really wanting much to do with what we were doing as a family. And so we were, we were kind of noticing this. She was starting to complain. She was starting to ask like crazy questions like, can we go to Disney World today? And every single day, can we go to Disney World today? Can we go to Disney World today? Or can we go get ice cream or have the best day ever? These kids have this thing called Yes Day where parents like don't say no to anything. They say yes to everything. Whoever made that up, I want to I take you out back after this because uh, it's not a cool thing. Uh, <laughs> but we noticed one day all of our family was outside and we were playing and we were playing with our animals and, you know, just having a blast outside. But we couldn't find Emery anywhere. We didn't know where she was. And uh, it was in the season of just kind of some complaining and not being super happy about much. And, and so we eventually, we found her inside watching this YouTube channel that she had become absolutely obsessed with. And all this YouTube channel is, is this family that carries around like a GoPro or a camera and creates vlogs of their lives. But here's the catch of it. They get paid about $20,000 per episode to just do crazy fun stuff with their kids. Like go to Disney World every day or get ice cream or have yes days all the time. And what, what I begin to notice is like, there's real life, real family happening outside. Incredibly fun things that we're doing as a family, but, but she is rooting herself in front of the TV. And what it's doing is it's kind of cultivating all of this ungratefulness and it, um, just non-contentment. And what we realized for Emery is that what, the complaining and the behaviors and the things that weren't quite right, were deeply rooted in where she was spending her time where she found herself. It was all in front of the TV watching this family that was not realistic. And, uh, sorry, I can't read my iPad very well in this, in this light. Uh, and so where you, find, where you find your delight determines all kinds of different things for your life. Where you root yourself determines all kinds of different things for how you walk through this world. Why does this matter? Because when the diagnosis comes back and the prognosis doesn't look good, where you are rooted as a person matters. When you have a decision to make in your life and you're not sure what God's will is for where you're supposed to go and what you're supposed to do, where you are rooted matters. When you're struggling with temptation or a sin issue or trying to uh, overcome the sin that is crouching at your door and wants to have you, where you are rooted matters. You see, the gospel is never about trying harder and trying to do better. Even holiness, listen to this, even holiness 
is a statement of where. Holiness in scripture doesn't start with just how you behave. It starts with where you see yourself planted. To be holy means to be set apart, to see yourself located in a different place than the rest of the world. That's what holiness in its essence means, is to be set apart as a people. And so where matters a lot. Um, have any of you ever seen these little helicopter things that fall from the trees? I don't know what the, does anybody know the technical name of these things? Helicopters. He, yeah, that's the kid's name of these things. Yes, helicopters, that's what I call them. So these helicopters are, uh, yeah, they're, they're pretty cool. They fall from the trees, they spin around. And then I want you to take a look for a moment at all of the trees around you. Like these big, tall trees that are surrounding us right now. See, there's a difference between these things that just fall to the ground and disintegrate or dissipate or never get planted anywhere and trees that have found a place to be planted and grow deep roots and have deep stability. See, they both begin in the same place. They both begin like this. And the only difference between these becoming just kind of nothing or extremely tall, beautiful trees has everything to do with where they get planted. And the same thing is true for you and I. That the metaphor the scripture uses in Psalm 1 here is that wicked people, it's not just about behavior, it's not just about what they do, it's about the fact that they are like chaff that just kind of blow in the wind and just kind of go wherever the wind may take them. This is, biblically speaking, what it means to be unrighteous. And so I love how the psalmist really kind of circles this issue here of just where are you planted? Where do you find yourself rooted when times of trouble come? When difficulty comes, where do you find your delight? And what the text here says is that the righteous, they find their delight, where? In the law of the Lord. And on this law, they meditate night and day, day and night. You see in scripture, the people that are blessed are the ones that deeply root themselves in the word of God. The people who are blessed are people who find themselves wrestling over this book, struggling with it, meditating on it, letting it sink in deeply, letting it change them, letting it form them and shape them. Those are the people who scripture calls blessed. You see, happiness, happiness comes from what happens to you. Blessing comes from where you are planted, where you are rooted. Morality, morality can shift from the flavor of the day back and forth like wind blowing helicopters all over the place. Morality shifts, but conviction, conviction comes from where you are rooted, where your life is planted, what you're building your life on. Anxiety, anxiety comes from uncertainty of situation or circumstance. Again, like wind blowing back and forth. But peace and true stability comes from where you are planted, where you are rooted. You see, I, uh, I believe this, this past year has just uprooted so many things for us. 
everything's changed. So many things look different. Even the fact that like we can take a deep breath of fresh air, things we used to take for granted with a group of people around, like that's a beautiful thing. That's not something we should take for granted. We should be grateful for that. But what I want to challenge you to do over the summer is to choose to deeply root yourself in the word of God. You see, when Jesus talked about his people, his disciples, he used a metaphor of a vine connected to branches in John 15. We are the branches. And when we root ourselves, when we connect ourselves, when we abide in the vine, that is where fruit grows. That's where stability is experienced. That's where security is experienced. That's where love and belonging is truly experienced. Uh, my iPad just uh, overheated, so I don't have my notes here. So we're just, we're just winging it this morning, which is, which is cool. Why not, right? But uh, there is a, there's a quote from a pastor that I'm going to paraphrase because I don't have it with me right now um, that says something along the lines of, if, if the highest value you have in your life is happiness and comfort and ease, then this past year has been a total disaster, if not a colossal nightmare for you. But if the highest goal that you have in your life is to be rooted in the stuff of God, this past year is the greatest opportunity some of us will ever have to experience blessing. I believe that. I believe that when we choose to root ourselves in the person of Jesus, when we choose to meditate, to chew on, to wrestle with this book, we'll experience blessing. Now hear me on this. Don't, don't read into the word blessing and believe things like a pain-free life or don't read that word with dollar signs in your eyes because that's not at all what the scripture is speaking about. See, the blessing that this word speaks about is the blessing of finding yourself grounded in a story that is bigger than yourself. Grounded in a story of stability, of true peace, of hope. And that's not stuff that the stuff of this world offers. You see, so many of us, we are kind of living with this low-grade anxiety, and we wonder why. Well, it's because we're not turning off a 24-hour, uh, seven-day-a-week news cycle that monetizes our anxiety, right? Like, like, we wonder why, why we experience these things in our lives, and yet this book sits closed on our shelves, and we don't wrestle with it, and we don't let it form us. See, when I was a kid... I grew up in a Christian tradition that, uh, that pretty much just treated this like a rule book, right? This is just a book of rules, basic Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth, right? It was just a rule book. And, and what wasn't emphasized, what wasn't talked about all that much is that this is actually just as much a story worth wrestling through. That there are things in this book that are going to challenge and offend and you're, gonna, you're not going to always understand them right away. And that's the invitation of this book. Now, when I speak to most people today, they're okay with this being a story to wrestle through and be challenged with, but they're not okay with this being an authority that speaks into your life. And guess what? It's both. It needs to be both. Because this is the story of how God is forming us into his likeness, offering us true stability, offering us true blessing that comes from nowhere else. See, this book for me, it, it ought to, and for our church, it ought to form the way that we speak about each other and interact with each other. 
It ought to form our perspectives on the world and justice and sexuality and all of money, all of these different things. It ought to be forming us into the image of Christ. If this is just a nice book that kind of we approach from a distance and maybe open once in a while on a Sunday morning, it is never going to change you. You'll never experience the blessings that it has to offer if this just sits collecting dust on a shelf. And so what I would love to see us do as a church this summer is to commit together as a community to meditate on this word together. Intentionally, specifically, and to approach the text, not just reading the Bible, but allowing the Bible to read us, to transform us, to change us. I, uh, I am really, really, really into film photography. I love, love taking pictures. Did anybody know they still make film and like film cameras and you can still get film developed? So I love doing this because when you're on your phone, you can just kind of shoot 10,000 pictures, right? And sometimes they don't mean a lot. A lot of times they do mean a lot. But when you're shooting film, each exposure that you take costs about $2 total to develop and buy the film and everything. So every single picture you take, I find myself slowing down, soaking in the scene that I'm looking at, and taking my time to make sure it is absolutely soaking in to be the way that I want it to be. And guys, I believe you cannot have an iPhone mentality to this, to this book. That this book is a lot more like film photography. It's meant to be soaked in, meditated upon, wrestled with. And there is probably no better place to start in this book than doing that in the Psalms. And so the encouragement, the challenge that I want to leave you with today before we eat really, really good food is uh, will, you, will you commit to being in this, in this book with me this summer? I've created this, uh, this reading plan for us as a church and we have them right up there next to the giving box. You can grab them afterwards. But all this is, is it's a 60-day journey through the Psalms. It's a couple Psalms a day, about 10 minutes of reading a day. And if you'd rather have a digital copy, you can download it at newlifewayland.org summer. But we have these printed out, these paper copies as well. And I would love to invite you to join us this summer to wrestle through the Psalms together. Starts tomorrow. And if you, if you keep with all 60 days, that'll put us beginning mid-August when we'll finish up. And if you miss a day, that's fine. Like, just, just start it the next day. This isn't meant to be just a checklist or something that we just kind of check off our spiritual to-do list. This isn't a behavior modification program. See, life with Jesus is all about formation, about bearing fruit that comes when we meditate in this word. And I want to I just encourage you to watch what God will do in your life when you shift from what to where. Where is my life rooted? Where am I planting myself? Am I in this word? And am I letting it change me? So where is your where? Where will you commit to wrestle with this word? Maybe for you, it's every morning on your front porch this summer, reading and meditating and hearing the wind blow through the trees and reflecting on the goodness of God. One of the, my favorite places to go is to a coffee shop, just watching people and the white noise and just wrestling through the scriptures in a coffee shop. I heard somebody the other day say they hear God best in the shower. 
that's your thing, go for it. Like, it doesn't matter where you do it, just pick a consistent where and wrestle with the Word of God and allow it to form you. And I promise you, I promise you, you will see some incredible fruit in your life as a result. May not be what you expect, but it will be beautiful. And so we're gonna invite the band to come back up and I would just love to pray over us as a church um, and invite you to, to join in on this. Grab one of these after we're done with service and let's commit to reading through this together. We'll check in with each other. I actually, as they're making their way back up, I'm gonna share one more thing here. We introduced this at our Alpha course on Wednesday nights. It's a course we just finished up this last week. And we've already had people connecting with each other saying, hey, you want to do the Psalms thing with me this summer? Let's, let's partner up. Let's hold each other accountable. Let's walk through it together. This is best done in community. It's not best done on your own. And so I would encourage you to link up with somebody, to, to find somebody. Maybe it's a spouse or maybe it's your kid or your student. Maybe it's a parent. Find somebody to do this with. And man, just watch what God will form in you, in your marriage, in your family, in your workplace as a result. So let me close this in prayer, and then we're going to respond in worship this morning. God, you are holy, and you are mighty. And God, this morning, is, as we just reflect on how many different wares have changed in our life over this last year, you are the same. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so God, as your word says in Psalm 19, may the, may the words of our mouths and the med meditations of our heart be pleasing to you, God. May we wrestle with this book. May we not just read it, but may we let it read us, transform us, change us into your image. God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for giving us this word to wrestle over and to meditate upon. And so, God, may we be transformed by your word this summer. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said, amen.